Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Honestly Speaking podcast. It's your boy Farb. Ed's on the DL from the second vaccine shots. I'm filling in. Don't have the silky smooth voice, but we're here for it. You know what to do. Uh, share with a friend, subscribe, help us grow. This week, we've got our friend Leon Ford back in the booth with us. We had the talk business of activism. For those who don't know Leon, frontline activist in Pittsburgh. His former lawyer was Ben Crump, high profile guy representing the Floyd family. So we had to get into that. We also talked about sex and relationships because guess what? It's a new season. She's here with us, pushing us out of our comfort zones. And also, who are the type of people that are going after these activists when it comes to sex and relationships? So listen up. Welcome back to another episode of Honestly Speaking. I'm so happy to have my brother from another mother on here again, Mr. Leon Ford. How you feeling? Yo, I'm good. You feeling all right? You got the big smile on today. Y'all can't see it, but you know, it's blinging. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I mean, like Genesis and I, we, we had the opportunity to hang out uh, in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta last weekend and we had a fantastic time so oh we had a ball i'm still recovering from that night honestly yeah. but you know i'm about to be 100 percent. give me like two more days i'm gonna be 100 percent when leon comes to town and it's a it's a thing but yeah i just wanted to jump right into it you know as the audience may have gathered one of my favorite things to talk about is um, not only philosophy and art and self-love but sex and sensuality and seeing people as full sensual beings is something that's important to me as i felt at some points in my life especially being an activist dealing with like really heavy things racial healing um, self-care mental health these things folks don't really consider me to be like a sexual being. So that's why in my music, you know, I have that as an outlet to kind of speak about it and make people view me as a more holistic entity. So Leon, you and I were kind of chopping it up about this the other day. And I felt like you had some similar sentiments, you know, different experience, but similar sentiments. So I'm wondering like, how are you feeling about that? Who's Leon for the sensual being? Yeah. So, um, it's very interesting because I'm a wheelchair user, right? And so um, it's just like this misconception that I cannot have sex. But that's not true. And uh, I am very active sexually. I love women. I'm single. <laughs> and, uh, just putting it out there. <laughs> just putting it out there. Like, I'm, I'm single and... Uh, yeah, I have a very interesting like sex life. It's uh, it's very fun. It's, <laughs> it's like it's super entertaining to me, right? Yeah. Just because like a lot of people wouldn't expect it. Um, and so yeah, like so Genesis and I, we, we were in Atlanta. You know, we had went out, and I don't know. I'm always smiling. I'm usually happy, and so women gravitate to me. And uh, yeah, like. 
I'm, you yeah. get a lot of attention. You get a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, I get, a, I get a lot of attention. But you know what? Um, so I always, you know, got a lot of attention. But after I got shot, um, you know, I dealt with a lot of depression and insecurity around my sexuality. Um, mainly because I'm like, yeah, nobody would want to have sex with a guy in a wheelchair, right? Um, but yo, I found that not to be true at all. In fact, um, from my experience, um, I feel like, you know, women, so when women see like, you know, a guy that's walking, they might say, oh, he's handsome, or he got, he's like uh, ambitious, he has a good job and all this type of things. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, like a lot of times sex is like the second question, right? Like, yo, He's handsome, but I wonder if he can have sex, right? And uh, once that, you know, uh, Pandora's box is open and we get to talking about sex, um, I think, you know, a lot of women are fascinated by it. It's super interesting. So do you feel like with this attention and fascination, do you feel like it's on the verge of exoticizing you? And, that, and if so, does that bother you? I, I like sex, so it don't. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother you, okay? I don't know if it's like a fetish or anything like that because I see. I don't know because I have. Right. I also have you know male friends who um, are still in that stage of their journey where they're struggling with their sexuality and. They, they aren't that confident and they feel like women don't like them, right? And right. Um, I had that shift years ago where I realized that, yo, women, like women are nurture, nurturers, right? And so like, they don't mind, you know, dating someone in a, in a wheelchair. Um, you know, I, I've had, you know, uh, girlfriends, um, I, I've been in relationships um, but I've also been single and I don't know, I just felt, I, I don't feel any different. I don't feel like women, you know, see me different or treat me different. They are curious in the beginning. Um, right. no, like, yo, can I have sex? Um, and you know, it's it, from my perspective, you know, even if I couldn't, I think they would still date me. Um, because they're right. just how, you know, women are, like I said, women are nurturers and they, they really, um, you know, they want to just be a part of someone's life and, and, you know, someone who's going to, you know, be compassionate and thoughtful and sensual. So, yeah. So have you noticed a difference? Cause you said there was a time where you were not having sex, you were having issues with your confidence um, after you had got shot. So there was a period where that wasn't happening. Did you notice, let me set up this question like this. I feel that a lot of passion, whether it's in activism, especially art, comes from sensuality, right? Like it comes from this this place of um, passion, rawness, openness, vulnerability, and intimacy. Like all of these things to me, they fester, you know, in inside and have to be let out. So did you see a difference in how you move in the world after you reignited your sex life and, and um, begin to explore again? Did you see a difference in your activism? Did you see a difference in the way that you were in the world versus before? 
let, let me reflect on that. I never thought about that before. Um, I would say yes, mainly uh, because of confidence and um, having this ability to show up as my full self, right? Um, being a, a a young man and not, uh, you know, it feeling like that part of me could not and did not exist. It made me very insecure as a whole, right? But once I began to um, engage and explore sex uh, post injury, I, you know, I got my confidence back. You know, I felt happier. I felt complete. Like, like I, I felt like I could show up as me again. And, and so it's interesting because um, even, you know, I felt healthier, right? In the sense of like, before I got shot, um, I was very like egotistical, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to smash everything. And right. you feel me? I got more chicks than you. I got, you know, uh, you know, I could beat you up, right? Uh, but after um, I felt like I had a healthy, uh, balance and a healthy relationship with my sexuality um, to where um, I became more intentional, right? I became more intimate, right? Um, and, um, you know, just learning, you know, more of, you know, how sex wasn't just about me, right? Because right. before I got shot, sex, I mean, I was 19, so it was way, it was much different. Sex was yeah. absolutely all about me. I was <laughs> trying to get mad, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, you know, post-injury, it was, you know, it was more of like, you know, more of an experience where I was more thoughtful and compassionate about what the woman would feel. Wow. That's heavy. Thanks for sharing that. You reflected on it real quick and bounced back. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's so I think it's so important. And um I think also abstaining from sex is also a very powerful thing. You know, I'm not saying I'm not out here being like sex, 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 sex. It's not like that. But I think just being able to explore who you are as an intimate being, um, and at at that vulnerable level with another person is just to me, the birth of, for me personally, the birth of um, pretty much everything, who who I feel I am as a woman, as an activist, as a person. Um, so yeah, Eddie, you have anything to say about this topic? Michael, I know y'all <laughs> always quiet when we talk about these things. Do, do y'all feel like, so you said that what, what um, spawned the question was just how activists or public people are perceived not to be sexual people. Do you think that that is is that is that because they're almost looked at as more one di one dimensional in general to where they you know they they're not sort of uh, they're 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 kind of dehumanized in that way and that the or these through these these towering figures of, of activists that like just don't have regular human needs is that where that comes from? I wouldn't say people don't don't perceive activists as, as sexual beings. I think in the world of activism and like the overlapping worlds, academia, these things of this nature, you're really not used to seeing activists speaking 
about this and I don't know if it's which came first, the chicken or the egg, like, right. You know, I don't, I don't see it being explored a lot in, in the activist social justice world, unless it's specifically about, oh, pleasure activism, right. Or sex workers uh, rights and things of, of that nature. Um, but just. I'm going to go in a different direction. I think this has all religious and puritanical roots, right? So you think about where just the way the, the America, you can call it white America, but a lot of America has certain religious Christianity roots. And so to them, um, doing something that ascribes to good or a social good almost always has some sort of religious connotation. And within that religious connotation, uh, the only way that that can look is in the familial marriage, um, which is why it was so important for white movements and such to you know, try and uh, show MLK as a, a quote unquote philanderer, right? Uh, and all these other things and, and put into this super negative box. Um, it's so, yeah, I can go into more of it, but that's actually where my mind goes. I'm curious, Ed, where you, if that fits into things you've been thinking about. Um, that's an interesting point. Yeah, the, the philanderer thing. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely because Martin was an avowed, you know, Christian and, um, sort of former minister um, and the church movement was, was really instrumental to the civil rights movement, obviously, because it came out of the church. I don't know. That's interesting. That's a, I got to think about that. You put it in an interesting way. I hadn't thought about before. Same. If, if I could jump in, I think, you know, on one end, uh, people kind of do see activists as these one dimensional human beings. And on the flip side of that, I think a lot of activists kind of put themselves in these boxes as well. Um, like for, speaking from my experience, I put myself in this box. Right. Well, so a lot of people put me in this box as like you know this positive Christ-like Christ-like figure for years, right? And I felt like, dang, I can't be my true self, right? And I really got comfortable. Uh, with my self, you know, after going to therapy for like, you know what I mean? Once I realized that like, yo, it's not my burden to carry this movement, you know, um, I have a life, you know, outside of activism. And I think a lot of, you know, activists, unfortunately, um, they feel guilty living their lives. Um, and so I, I always encourage, you know, people to to live their full lives and like, you know, you can still fight for what you believe in, but also like have a good time with your family, also date, also, you know, party and, and, and you know, and ha like, and enjoy yourself, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and so like, for me, I've been very intentional about breaking out of boxes. And this is one of the reasons why I said, yeah, I'll definitely love to have this conversation um, here today because you know there's I mean there's a lot of people who who want to have these types of conversations but feel like yo maybe this is not like connected to my brand right <laughs> right like oh like what is this going to do for, to my brand and it's like oh man just be yourself it's natural like you're a human being you know and and we should be able to you know talk about you know our full human experience so for, I mean, this question is for Leon and Genesis, both are, are resident, you know, kind of activists here, but 
Something I've noticed, and I have no quantifiable data here, but I have noticed for friends of mine and a particular uh, black men who are in the activist space, I have seen that, yes, they have they can have this kind of canonized kind of figure and aura around them because of the work they do. But behind you know closed doors or not even behind that closed of doors, I see a lot of women fetishizing them. And in particular, I've noticed it seems to lean, at least in my view, white women really fetishizing and throwing themselves hand over. Now we've seen also some examples lately, you know, high profile ones like Adam Foss, where he's abused that power in a very malicious way. But I'm curious, Leon, how, you know, and even Genesis, where you've kind of seen that and where you think that comes from, because I can't go to an event and not see, it's like, you think you're on like a music tour. It's, it's like full on groupie status. <laughs> yeah, I'm like kind of oblivious, right? Like, so I don't be picking up the vibes when some of the women are like throwing themselves at me. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. What if, what if, like, what's up, Genesis? Cause we, we had this conversation a little bit in Atlanta. Um, but I, I a like, lot. Personally, like, I be missing it. Like, I be thinking people are just nice. <laughs> and, um, yeah, unless, unless, like, you know, I'm pushing up. But Yeah. I think what, Michael, what you said, especially about, like, the fetishizing Black men in, in the spaces of social justice, man, I've seen it, too. And it's pretty blatant. It's pretty obvious. and um, yeah, I'm not a black man, so I can't really speak to it. But it, I, I remember the first time I like picked up on it and like noticed it. Um, and I think I even asked one of my brothers about it. I was like, in the same way I asked Leon um, earlier in the call, like, do you feel like that you know certain women exoticize you and does that bother you? And like my friend, my boy, he had a similar response. He was like, well, I like sex, so it doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't, you know, I don't say that that's how all black men in that space feel, but it's like, yeah, the the groupie status is serious. Um, but I think that's with anything that you do where you're kind of a public figure or kind of. Well, you're celebritized at that point. Right, right, right. So I don't know if that's necessarily an activist thing or it's just like you're in the public light and um, people who, who seem to be more uh, desired you know, things, it's just, it's like a snowball effect and people desire you if you seem like people desire you. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like a feedback loop. That's pretty perverse though, Farb. You find white women, really? Because you talk about black men activists who are about like the black liberation or the movement for black lives. And there's a pretty particular relationship between black men and white women in that history, right? So for them to to be disproportionately gravitating towards black male activists that's pretty crazy i didn't know i haven't seen that before i, I haven't noticed that's i'm been not my really in those circles as well yeah what michael's wow, that's saying is, that's what i've seen what as is well. that what is that know. why i, I, don't know. <laughs> I yeah i don't know i think there's a lot of therapy and, and things to analyze within that but yeah i I've, I've noticed it like time and time again you can't get away once again from the fetishizing. Like we talked about this, the hypersexualization of black right. men. Yeah. And what's interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. is this is coming from women who are saying that they are trying to be the most progressive 
Allies. Yeah. Allies, but they're still playing into that uh, narrative. And so, you know, part of me is like, maybe they're like on some like self kind of self hate, self, self white hatred kind of tip a little bit too. Uh, like, like I'm so terrible. I can't believe I'm white. Like, you know, I gotta, which is like crazy to say, but it's like, so, you hear this shit. It's like the, the comedy writes itself. Uh, maybe I'm just attractive, bro. Like, <laughs> maybe they just like, you find me to be like attractive. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, of course that's, I mean, look, I'm not saying a one size fits all, like people are attracted to who they're attracted to. I'm just saying I've noticed with some of these women, there's like twisted shit. And I've seen, I've been shared text messages from friends who are activists from some of these women. And it's, it's some weird shit. It's not just straight up. Like, like I'm attracted to you of a relationship. Like the language is like twisted in a certain lane. Um, and that's the only reason I'm going into it. And like, look, uh, attraction is attraction, but uh, I don't know. I think like, once again, you can't root out the celebrity part of it. I think anyone who's attracted to a quote unquote celebrity use, and like takes it to a certain degree is kind of like a little twisted in their mind at a certain point because they've created a fantasy of, of, of a person that they want, right? So it doesn't matter if they're an activist or anyone else. I think there's some... There's something that they're looking for that they're trying to achieve without even actually knowing the person, right? Like sure. the lens you get as an activist doesn't mean all the things. Like the lens you get of Genesis, the activist, like you don't know all the other things of your interests. Like you wouldn't immediately know that like your interest you in sexuality and all these other things. Like you have to go these levels deeper. So to me, it's always just a little interesting when people just throw themselves so hard at someone with all of these machinations of what that person is now i would stay i i would i would stay on it it sounds pretty particular because you just think about the way black men and black women are perceived as hypersexual already because of this country's history there's something there it it it, it it's it exists within that that you know it's not regular it's not you can't just say like oh it's like all oh, celebrities da, da, da. it's not it's definitely specific interesting who's the expert on this can we get let's can we add them to this right now <laughs> who's the expert on this somebody text the expert on this and then we'll, we'll get them into the room oh uh, let's hit up chris how about that <laughs> oh man chris is the expert but chris isn't gonna want to go on record my boy <laughs> yeah i don't know y'all i think that i think it comes down to this one dimensional versus multi-dimensional and that is also something that i'm very passionate about of trying to wake up every day and tell myself whether through meditation or through thought process to see each human well whoever i see today i'm going to try to see them as, as in as many multitudes as i can not just what i see right like that's that's someone's sister or somebody's son this lift driver probably you know has other passions or maybe they don't right but just because even when you talk about people who gravitate towards celebrity or activism, they sometimes it is just that one way that they're kind of seeing this person as maybe something to be conquered and experienced sexually. 
and as an activist and and maybe um admiring them for what they do you know what i mean but i think like i'm just an advocate for just trying to see people in as many dimensions as possible and i think that's kind of um will lead us out of this routine of dehumanization that we're seeing on in so many levels and so many sectors and so many isms right well the activist is such an interesting thing because you are seeing the the things that they're saying you're seeing them at the absolute like best of what like society can be and you're bombarded with so much negativity on a day-to-day basis that people are yearning for something so it's not that i guess strange for someone to then hear something and want to embody all of these different things into this person which they could never humanly actually ascribe to totally which is even Leon talking about like wanting to go to therapy and you know his community wanted him to be every single thing that they wanted from him and he was definitely some of those things and he might even be more of some of those things but it doesn't mean that he doesn't get to be the full flesh person who he is still becoming um and and that's where these things get interesting and also this whole celebrity of activism it's it's been a thing for a bit but in the past like five to ten years i mean this has accelerated at such a rate um it's an industry now it's an industry now and people weren't prepared for that whether you on either side um and so yeah i don't know leon like how, how does that hit you like when you think about or hear that or think about that? Yeah. So I don't wake up wanting to be an activist, right? I don't wake up looking for issues to fight for. Unfortunately, this is America and we have a lot of issues um, that, you know, I'm faced with directly and some indirectly. Um, and, you know, I'm willing to lend my voice Um you know, to be an agent of change, but I just want to be a regular person. Like when I wake up in the morning, I I want to be a father. You know what I'm saying? I want to like, you know, just take my son to school and like work on some cool creative projects. And like, I want to, you know, date and find a wife and get married and buy a home and, you know, learn how to play a piano. And it, that's what I want my <laughs> life to be. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, you know, people just think like, oh, you got shot. You're an activist. You know what I mean? Like, this is, you know, like, we need you. And I'm like, bro, like, I want to just sit back and, like, play Call of Duty. Like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't want to do that, right? I do it because, you know, there's a need and I care about people. Um, but, yeah, I'm just a regular human being and I want to, live a, a normal life as normal as I can. Um, like, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, circumstances are different and I can't help that I care about these issues, you know? Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, when, when you speak about, you know, people put me in, in this box and, you know, for me now, I've, you know, been able to break out of those boxes and, you know, live a normal life and have fun with friends and, uh, enjoy myself and be a father. Um, but I also still like can limit myself, but not to the point of breaking myself in the process. So I'm very intentional about setting boundaries so that, you know, I can, you know, still live my life, but also have a positive impact on community. The funny thing too, Leon, is like, you know, 
there's so many different ways to make an impact. And this is what we were even talking about with you, with your therapy or this, that, you know, where activism is important and pushing things is important, but we all have different lanes of where we can inspire people and where we can just show positively. And if it means you being just the best father you can be, that actually might be your, your highest calling. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, we, it's so fucked of how much pressure black America has to feel like I was talking about this with some folks with just like entrepreneur talking about entrepreneurship and how often, uh, you know, if you take a full percentage of like white ideas versus black ideas, the percentage of black ideas that might still dovetail in some way, shape or form back to something with a, like a good towards the black community, as opposed to like a white idea that might shift more towards just like the thing that just absolutely will make the most money. Right. And there's just like, there's, even when you want to build something, there's always like some semblance of pressure of like what else you can do. And the part of that's of course, like a good thing. We, I think all sh as humans should want to do things that are better for humanity, but there is such an, just such a, a larger weight that has to be put on it. And it's just, it's so shitty that like you even have to feel bad about just like wanting to go play call of duty or do all these other things. Like you should be allowed to live your life. Um, but just unfortunately, that's not the realities that have been given. I think yeah. that was a good point that um, Leon made about setting boundaries. I think that's such a very important uh, message for the younger generation, uh, especially those who want to be social justice warriors or are, are called to that is, is th that being a main part of their lives. I think uh, when you're younger, you have a lot more energy and like pep and, you know, before you get into it and it's like, oh, wow, okay. Um, but I think that's a wonderful message for, especially for younger generations of understanding mental health, self-care boundaries set. Like this doesn't have to be your 100% identity and that you have to like live up to this uh, because sometimes we form these validation, this validation around how can I serve? right? If I'm not serving, then what am I doing? Am I a full human? Am I a good human? If I'm not serving all the time, or if I say no to this, what does that mean? What does that say about me? And I think that's an extremely unhealthy way to think. I've thought it that way at some point, probably up until recently, honestly. Um, so I think that's a, if there are like younger people in the audience who are interested in like the work of serving, that's a very, very important point. G. Leon, do y'all think that when activism needs to generate an income, it just like, you know, irrevocably starts perverting it? Is it better that uh, activism that doesn't need to generate an income? Is that, is it, does that sort of more pure, less burdensome? Like, what, what do y'all come down on that? Leon, I'll let you answer that first if you have any thoughts on that yeah i think that you know especially the creatives um who are using their art like genesis um you know to tell stories to send messages out there should definitely be compensated the problem is when you have you know people who aren't truly committed to the struggle who aren't truly um you know putting their you know lives on the line capitalizing off of the backs of people who are really out here doing the work. 
um, you know, and it's like on like social media has made it easy for anybody, right, uh, to just one day say, "Hey, I'm an activist," right? Uh, hey, I, I just showed up at this protest. There was a dope picture taken of me, and now like CNN wants to talk to me. Um, <laughs> I have no real connection to to this issue. Right. Um, and, and we've seen that happen over and over again. And so um, I do think, you know, and feel like uh, the movement has really, uh, you know, it, it's gotten bl- very blurry. Right. Uh, it's hard to figure out who's who. Right. It's hard to figure out who really cares versus who's just trying to build a brand and, and get a book deal. Um, and, you know, and even some of those people who I challenge are doing some good, right? So it's hard to be like, yo, like, you're you're a bad person, like, you know what I'm saying? And, and we don't need you in the movement because everybody's voices, you know, are important. But you, I do see people capitalizing off of the movement, and it is very frustrating. It's also very complicated. I mean, the play, yeah. you know... Leon, we've tried about this. I think the thing that's tough is the only way to make money in the movement is to have clout. If you don't have followers, if you're not on TV, then you won't get book deals and you won't get paid speaking engagements. So if you don't do that, then you're going to be dead broke working multiple jobs doing your activism. Like there's, yes, if you, because the thing is, as an activist, that means you're usually not like, you can become a nonprofit leader and build an organization and then get funding for that. But as like an activist activist, that usually means you're doing movement work. So those are like the lanes to make money, get clout, get a voice, sell it in some capacity or, or build an organization. But everyone in between is stuck in this like weird murky middle ground and we're, we're in a capitalism society. So no one's going to pay them if they don't have a product. So it's like a tough world where I, I hate to give this comparison, but it's even like in the art world where like the most pure artists hate pop artists. And they're like, well, my, my art's so much better than yours, but their art doesn't sell because it's still like a method to selling. So, I mean, we can, I, I love shitting on some of the pop artists too, but to me, that's an interesting comparison. Cause it's like, do you want to go the most pure art form, but not make money? Or do you want to play the game, do good still, do your product, but actually get paid? Mm. Dang. I'm feeling some things here and here and all this. <laughs> it's real. I mean, I feel like I've been able to um, detach quite a bit because I'm most rooted in my artist, in art, in my artistry, um, and not so much as act- activism. Like, um, when I was younger, so I've been an activist since I was about 16 is when I really started um, organizing movements and being out in the streets in Mississippi. Um, but I was always a rapper and an artist first. And like, that's where I found my voice and and knew that it, there was something I wanted to say. But in terms of like gaining a platform and, and this, that, or the other, um, I always knew even when I was a little, little girl that this was where my creator was taking me, like to have a platform. How big of a platform? I don't know. That never really mattered, but I knew that there would be some sort of platform and I was um, 
my side of the of the deal is to amplify those who don't have a platform, amplify voices and movements that might not have that platform and things that that are really important to me. Um so I I really struggle with you know the 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 capitalist side of it of like you know a lot of my friends you know they they try to coach me and try to guide me like oh yeah you, you could get this book deal like are you writing a book you should be doing this you should be doing that like you're not doing enough like you're not doing this to capitalize on it and I I respect that mentality because it's not um where I come from like money is like an abstraction to me I still don't understand it like I know that we need it in order to be comfortable and but it's only real because everyone thinks it's real. Like that's how I view money. So it's hard for me to think about those next steps. It's pretty cool when it happens, you know? I, I compare myself to Forrest Gump sometimes. It's like, I don't know how I got in this room, but I'm here and I'm gonna be me, I'm gonna show up. Um, but in terms of how big the platform gets, um, that's I feel like it's not up to me. I can only do what I do and whatever happens happens you know and i'll reach who i'm supposed to reach if i reach that that one kid in south mississippi who's who who feeling like you know there's no way out that 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 they don't have power that they don't have a voice if i reach that one person and she goes but she did it then i'm cool with that let alone how many other people you know we might reach you know full disclaimer honestly speaking podcast is not llc twitter you know, run, run your own race. This isn't all about like everyone's got to do all these different hustles and do all these different things. There's, it's all about finding your happiness and what achievement means to you. And we all have like different lanes. Like I know that, you know, I am not going to ever be the frontline activist person. Like to me, I like to try to just make things work behind the scenes and help get things off the ground. That That is where I like, I'm happy doing it. I think I'm good at it. Uh, you know, I could never do what you do, Genesis, right? And, yeah, and vice versa. You know, and so it's like we have to be happy with it. It's and we and for people being like, oh, but you're not doing all these other things. I don't know. Maybe you will want to write a book one day when it when it feels right to you, right? But if you're happy, if you're doing good work, if you are able to provide for yourself and you feel like you're making an impact, who's to say that you're doing it the wrong way? So, um, I just the the endless hustle to do more and do more doesn't provide more happiness. And at the end of the day, you need to be happy and content with what you are building. Next. Also, it's just like the, the, the larger shadow that's cast over all of activism is like activists are born out of these issues that should be part of like the public good or, or government issues. It's like the more that you privatize schools, for example, charter schools and 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 private schools, you're getting like school integration activists and folks who want equal schooling, like activism is kind of born out of that because the mm -hmm. government is not handling it. And now it is left to this privatized capitalist system. So then it's like you get, you know, activists, entrepreneurs out of that too. Like it just creates this sort of this climate for that more than versus like, how come there's no social security activist? Because the government does that pretty well. And if old people were, you know, dying from being impoverished and didn't have Social Security, there would be activism born out of that. But that's something the government should handle. So it's like it's just this weird things that are left to the Wild West of the private sector. You're it, I guess 
maybe it's a recipe for activists who come out of that to have to monetize themselves as well. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud, but that, that, that you know, that's sort of a, a larger shadow that's cast over it as well. Leon, how are you thinking about this with, you know, how you look at your time? I know, obviously, there's been thoughts about some some film work, but you're also doing a lot of behind the scenes work um, with organizations in Pittsburgh. But yeah, like, how do you see the things that are bringing you back happiness and also driving forth what you want to see? Yo, honestly, I'm just like solving problems, right? I'm leveraging my platform to connect dots, but I'm not actually the person that's on the ground going hard doing the work in a way that I felt responsible uh, for in the past. And I'm much happier. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, I haven't done like a speaking engagement in a long time, bro. And like, I love it. Even though I made good money from doing speaking engagements, I'm like, bro, I'm doing much more dope stuff than like what I was doing before, right? It's like, you know, um, connecting my wealth management firm to my city so we can change uh, lead pipes, right? Like these are the types of things that I'm working on. Um, opposed, and this is stuff that people they don't see because I don't talk about it on social media, but I love the fact that I'm doing this super, you know, changing systems um, in my city and like connecting all these dots and I'm happy and it doesn't take a lot of my time. It's not stressful. You know, I don't have to, you know, um, relive, you know, uh, the, the, you know, getting shot over and over again. And so I feel much happier, bro. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. What, um, yeah, man. I mean, we, we were having these conversations before and like, you know, Leon, we're, um, I haven't like publicly spoken about this, but you know, we do, I do a lot of work in Tulsa. It's the, the Tulsa Centennials coming up obviously in a, in a few weeks. And, you know, I'm advising on a project that's going to be building out an ecosystem for black entrepreneurs and and all sorts of other stuff as they look forward to what's like chapter, you know, this next phase of Black Wall Street. And I would say, you know, the biggest question um, that we're asked and kind of one of the biggest things that happens is just like local contention. You know, who's who's going to be getting the money? Who's going to be participating in these programs? And all like rightful questions. Um, but there's so much just immediate infighting and it's making it really hard for people to even be able to have a normal conversation about all the opportunity it's like immediately going to like this 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 deficit factor which obviously has a lot of historic to it and i remember you were telling me about some of the work you were doing in pittsburgh and even just trying to unify groups that you were working with that were at odds with one another just to put together a stronger coalition to actually make system change uh is there any like examples to that you can speak to um yeah so let, let's see um last year there was like a lot of protesting outside of the mayor's house and um you know i kind of like reached out to the mayor and tried to see like yo what is going on what is what is the issue um i reached out to the activists you know i tried to figure out what their needs were what they wanted um i reached out with elders within the community i reached out with you know to like um 
all different type of sectors of community, bro. And a lot of what I realized is people were so severely traumatized that it was hard for them to say what they wanted. What I did was, you know, I had to become innovative. One, yo, one, the self care handbook that we hey. created, right? <laughs> serve as the greatest resource in that moment, bro. Because I was able to share the short film and the self-care help book with all of these different leaders and say, hey, I encourage you to take care of yourself first. Do not have to feel guilty for taking care of yourself, right? And the only reason I'm able to be objective in my leadership and solve problems and also work with people that I would not have wanted to work with in the past is because I took care of myself and I did that internal work, right? So I was able to encourage them to do that while I was simultaneously was thinking about creative ways to get them what I knew they needed, but they really um, weren't able in that moment, uh, they weren't able to articulate it in that moment, you know? Um, and so a lot of times leaders, right, uh, systems leaders, we we say, hey, we want to hear the needs of the community and we hear the needs of the community, but the needs aren't clear enough for us to say, oh, this is a policy. Oh, this is, you know, we need workforce development here. Uh, and we kind of say, well, like, you know, there's like this vague things that the community needs and we don't give them anything. Right. And then they get even more frustrated. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was able to, you know, figure out innovative ways to say, oh, this is what they said their problems were. This is a solution to that. Right. And so um, I end up, you know, working with a few organizations to kind of, you know, fulfill those needs. And we're still like in, in, in a crunch trying to figure out what that looks like. But I have those systems leaders all working together. Uh, to figure it out, you know, uh, in, in, in my city, you know, you have like, um, you know, so I thought like the same way you, you, you were talking about um, some members within the black community not working together in my city. I don't know if it's like that in Tulsa, but nobody wants to work together. Mm. Right. I mean, you, uh, you have some police frustrated with the mayor's office. You have the mayor's office frustrated with the superintendent you know, the public schools and vice versa. And then you have some foundations, you know, frustrated with, and once I got to, you know, in the mix of things, right. In the thick of things, I realized how complicated it was and how so many people needed to heal. And so this is why, like, for me personally, I'm always encouraging people to go to therapy. This is why I got certified as a guided meditation instructor and, I'm looking forward to, you know, working on a, on a project where I'll be having different members of all these different sectors coming to learn how to meditate so that they can, you know, lead with a sound mind. Mm. It's hard for everybody to make a tough decision. Um, you know, that's going to affect thousands and thousands of people in, in some cities, millions of people, if they're just overwhelmed, you know, and... Um, we don't, just like, you know, sometimes we don't humanize activists, we don't humanize other leaders. Um, and so we can humanize people and say, yo, this person just over. I, I have tweets calling our mayor racist. 
and saying he doesn't care about black people, right? And uh, once I actually, you know, got to sit down with them, I was just like, yo, he's just like overwhelmed and like he doesn't have, you know, the right voices, the right black voices around him that can say, yo, this is real, this is gonna work, this is not gonna work. Um, and he's just kind of doing the best he can. And sometimes it's just up to us to step up to the plate to say, yo, how can I help you become a better leader for my community? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying like, yo, fuck you, you're horrible. <laughs> um, like, no, nah, for real. Um, but me getting to that space, you know, of place of healing is what helped me um, to be objective and kind of um, put my personal feelings aside to say, no, nah, this is what is... Um, best for community. I think that's a wonderful point to end it on. Um, Leon, I'm always in awe of the way that you can be side by side with people, no matter where they are, you're able to meet them where they're at. And um, I think that's something that comes from a place of um, extreme humility, but extreme power. So I just want to say, I love you. And I'm really grateful um, that you're here and that you're our friends. Thank you. I love you more. And yeah, we're, we listen, we're a family and um, I'm so grateful for this space, right? Yeah, like, totally. And uh, for the evolution of our conversation, we started off talking about sex and we got into leadership. <laughs> and all. Sex is the foundation of it all. No, let me stop. Yes. Um, but yeah, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna close out the the episode. I appreciate you coming, y'all. Everybody, tune in next week. <laughs>